0: Good morning, ladies. It's time to get started. Welcome, everybody, again. Um, I, I'm ready to introduce my friend, Pam McGee, to you, who's going to speak to us today. Um, wave to you, Pam. Come on up. Pam McGee is the wife of John McGee, who's also back there helping. Um, John is our minister to married adults, and so um, Pam is seasoned in her knowledge and um, willingness to be in God's way in biblical womanhood. So she's going to tell us this morning about our roles that come from his word and really what that looks like in our lives, which is what we all want to know. What does that look like? Pam and John have four children, um, ranging in age. Okay. Where'd we start? Seven, nine, 11, and 13. Yep. So lots of experience there, um, for us to hear today. So thank you, Pam. We're yeah. excited.
1: Thank you, Jill. All right. I'm going to give you this. Okay. I've got got one. Okay. Y'all hear me? All right. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Jill. Very much. Um, Wow. I'm really excited to be here. Um, a little nervous. I don't know if you can tell. Usually, I'm up here with my commanding large husband, um, who um, just kind of you know talks and is comfortable up here, and I'm just at his side doing the color commentary. And so, to be by myself up here um, is a little nervous, but I'm super excited. Um, and one one reason I'm excited is just to think about being in your shoes and um, what a privilege it has been to be at Watermark since our oldest was six months old, and just to have all our kids here, be raising our kids here, be serving here, and be married here, and. And to have women um, who are just a little bit ahead of me in where they are in their marriage, in their walk with the Lord, in their parenting, and just to be able to look to them for questions, um, just to gain wisdom from what they've learned, um, you know, from their failings and their victories. And so just to be humbled to share with you um, just some things that God has taught me, like I said, through a lot of the ways I failed, and he's restored that, um, just through ways that he's taught me through his word, through other people. And then just some real practical things that I'll give you as well that just John and I have learned together and that I've learned um, on my own. And so just excited, excited to be here. Um, So thanks for having me. I've had tons of encouraging texts and um, just words from you guys and um, lots of fun faces out there. So thanks. Um, So I am charged with speaking about biblical womanhood. And um, when Holly mentioned that um, a while ago, I thought that is a huge topic we could spend all day, all weekend talking about that. Um, But as I was thinking about it, just kind of have a picture of three women. Um, And so as I read these descriptions, think about which one um, you think is the most um, like a biblical woman. Um, So first, there's Holly Homemaker. Um, Her home is in perfect order. Every meal has the exact recommended portion size of each of the food groups. As soon as you're finished with that meal, the dishes are instantly in the dishwasher. As soon as you take off your clothes, 30 minutes later, they're magically cleaned, ironed, and back in the closet. Um, She's so creative that Pinterest comes to her for advice. Um, (laughs) And with just one roll of pink leopard print duct tape, a yard of fabric, and three thumbtacks, she can make her daughter's room so amazing that it's in D Magazine's top kids list. Um, Or maybe it's Susie's servant. Maybe she's the most biblical. When her husband travels, she will not only pack his bag, pick up his cleaning, she'll book his flight, book his hotel, and even give him a personal wake-up call at 5 a.m., even if he's on the East Coast. Um, her kids' lunch boxes always have a paper mache flower or airplane, a note saying that she loves them. Their teachers have a flower and an apple on their desk every morning, and everybody on their street goes to bed with fresh cookies made and delivered by her. So maybe that's Susie's servant, or maybe your picture of a biblical woman is Sally Spiritual. She has completed every Bethmore Bible study that's been written, she went through the five aspects of womanhood study, and she added five more. Um, she is clept out of a equipped disciple, and um, she can tell you the exact page number for every verse in the Bible. It's in her Bible. And even her children, um, when the cults come and knock on the door, they can dismantle their theology just like that. Um, so she is super, super spiritual. Um, so which one of these women do you want to be like? Which one are you? Um, obviously, those are exaggerated caricatures. Um, of what a biblical woman looks like, but we still... Um, fall prey to that, just of crafting this ideal, perfect woman in our mind. And when we don't meet that standard, we're frustrated and we think we've missed the mark. And even here at Watermark, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, we think we see the perfect marriage, maybe on the stage or someone we see. We see the perfect parenting, see the perfect woman. And if we're not exactly like that, somehow we've missed it. And so I would just be here today just to give us freedom, just to tell us what God says, but then to know that there's freedom in that. Nowhere in the Bible is there a paragraph that says exactly what biblical womanhood is. There's no checklist, um, but there are two things that are clear. First of all, there are roles that God talks about in marriage where he's real specific about the roles that a woman has. And then overarching that in all of our life, God commands us in Matthew 22 um, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so today we're going to look at five roles that women will play or will have in their life um, most likely will have in their life. And so where there's a clear command in Scripture, we'll talk about that. And where there's not, um, we'll just talk about some guidelines and some frameworks that that I have found and that John and I have found that are helpful as we kind of live out those roles. Um, so you 've got the notes there they 're very skeletal, and so just to let you guys fill in there's so the main scriptures that i 'm going to be referring to are on there, but other than that, just kind of fill in fill in as much as you want. Um, but I do want before I start to just give us a warning and i 'm saying us because me as well um, don 't go home today with twenty five things that you have to do immediately and tell your husband we have to do immediately. Um, so I would go to these talks years ago. They were called heirlooms back in the day. Somebody remember the heirlooms talks and, um, would go home and like right away, John walks in the door and here's 50 new things we have to do as a family and you have to start right now, babe. And he would get to the point where he resented me going and he was not the only husband that resented their wives, um, going to those things. And so just, um, All of us. I would just challenge us to be encouraged today. So two things. Be encouraged by what you're doing well. You are doing something well. Just that you're here to learn more about um, what God would have you do as a mom, specifically as a wife, as a woman of God. Um, Just be encouraged by what you're doing well. And then just pick one or two, only one or two areas that you can take some ground in. And just go home and pray about those. When the time is right, share them with your husband. Um, And just go home with just a few things to do and not be burdened with all these things you're not doing well. But just be encouraged. Um, and just hear most of all just god's love for you as a woman of god so let me pray for us and then we'll jump in to the different roles um, that a woman has lord thank you Um, father we praise you um, that you designed a man and you designed a woman and from the before the foundations of the earth you had a plan for what the roles would look like and what specifically we as women would look like and how um, you designed us and the way we're made and the roles we would play for our good and for your glory. So I pray for myself, I pray for these women in here, um, just that there would not be just a burden of things we're not doing, guilt of things we're not doing, but there would just be an overwhelming sense of your love for us as women and that out of that love we would um, just look at the ways that we can become I'm um, a daughter, a wife, um, a mom, and a friend who loves people the way you do. And so just thank you again for these women and just their encouragement. And just pray that I would be clear in the way I speak, that you would take away any nerves and um, that I would just be able to share the things that you have graciously taught me and um, that these women would just hear this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to start with um, something we all are, Um, the follower of Christ. uh, We are children of God. So every one of us here, that's just our foundation. We are a child of God. Galatians 3.20 says, through Christ Jesus, we are all of God by faith. Um, So a couple of things about us as children of God. We are fully known. Um, psalm 139 the whole chapter you know talks about david says lord you have searched me and know me where can i go from your spirit you've created my inmost being we more than we can imagine we are fully known by our creator um but in that also that's kind of scary you know when i think about i'm fully known god knows my thoughts more than i do he knows exactly what i'm thinking and feeling but just to follow with that that we are fully forgiven um psalm 103 i think it just says psalm in your notes so just read the whole book but specifically um specifically psalm 103:12. um says, as far as the east is from the west, our sins are forgiven. That's how far our sins are um, when God forgives us. And so um, that we are fully forgiven. Colossians 3.13, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The Lord has forgiven us fully, um, and he commands us to do that for others. But just that we are completely Completely forgiven because of Christ's death on the cross for us. Um, and then the last thing, and the thing that I really, if you hear nothing else, um, Millie and I were talking about this this morning. If you hear nothing else today, we just pray that you would hear this that you, as a child of God, are fully loved and fully accepted. That has got to be the starting place. If we do not fully believe that and trust that, none of these other roles are going to work. We're not going to love, love people the way God would have us. So we are fully loved and fully accepted. Romans 5.8, love that verse. While we were still in the middle of sinning, Christ died for us. Um, he loved us that much. And then Romans 8.35, later on in that book, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing we've done. Nothing that's happened to us. Nothing that um, we can do, nothing that we haven't done can separate us from the love of God. Um, Tim Keller says, we are more wicked than we dare to believe, but we are more loved than we dare to hope. And so just to really... wake up each morning before your feet hit the floor just to meditate on the fact that we're fully loved, fully loved and accepted by God. And I know the mornings that I wake up with my to-do list right on the front of my mind, guilt from the day before, how I yelled at my kids and didn't serve John well and get out of bed and go in that, but the day does not glorify God. It is not a day with love for other people. But the day that I wake up and just take a moment just, thank you, Lord. Um, I fully believe and trust that you love me and that I'm fully accepted and loved by you. Then the day is a good day and a good day meaning that I'm loving people the way God would love people. And I'm following those commandments to love the Lord my God and to love others as myself. Um, in John, 1 John 4, um, 7 and 8, we're told that love is from God. And again, until we fully believe and accept that, we cannot love others the way he would have us. Um, And so again, I just, I want to say that whole thing again, because that really is the foundation. If you hear nothing else today, um, just as women in the stage of life where you guys are, stage of life where I am, when things are hard and we don't feel loved um, and we don't feel accepted by the world and um, sometimes by even our husband and kids and friends, that we are fully loved and accepted by God. Um, So for each of these points, I'm going to talk about how we can love God and love others. But this has to be the starting place. All right, so the next role that we have is that of a daughter. So all of you have a mom and dad, and you are their daughter. And so um, a couple of commands in Scripture. Before we're out of the house, um, we are commanded to obey. Um, and so you know your children. Um, we tell them often. I tell mine often. Um, you are commanded. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Um, and um, that's what we're commanded to do. Obviously, where we are now, we don't have to obey our parents anymore. Um, But the idea of honoring them is still there. So one of the Ten Commandments is honor your parents. And so even now, wherever we are, um, there is a command for us to honor our mom and dad. And so I do want to stop and just acknowledge the fact that everybody in here is a different place. You might be sitting next to your mom. Um, You might be talking to her on the phone every day, having lunch with her every week. Or it may be once a month. It may be you only see her at holidays. Um, You may only see your parents, your mom or dad, you know, every once in a while, or you may not see them at all. Um, I know that there's people in here that are completely estranged from their parents, and there's deep hurt in their past. Um, so I just do want to acknowledge that this this could be a hard thing. But just um, a couple of things um, as we're talking about this. is just, to, again, rest in the Lord, that you're fully loved and accepted, and just to think about for you specifically what it could look like to honor your parents. Um, so practically, what could it look like? Um, couple of things, um, and this is really kind of on the forefront of my mind, is just be careful not to run down your parents in front of your kids. Um, or let me say your in-laws as well. Just being careful about the way you act toward and talk about your parents and your in-laws in front of your children. They are taking note of it, and one day... When you're a grandparent, um, the way you treated your parents will inform the way they treat you. Um, And so just to be really careful about the way um, we say things. You know, appropriately, if you're talking with your husband about something that's frustrating, just be careful that the kids aren't around. And so just in the way you talk about your parents and your in-laws to honor them. Um, and then just talking about the in-laws, even though they're not your biological parents, they are part of your family unit. And so just really reaching out. It might be a lot easier to call your mom than your mother-in-law, but if you have a chance to um, pursue your mother-in-law, just to cultivate that relationship with her. Um, look for a way to honor them while they're still living. So um, love this story That and um, love just to, just to share what we did. So John's dad passed away. Um, It'll be two years in June that he passed away from ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, Um, but a few years before that, when we knew the disease was terminal, um, we said, let's take a trip together. He was still mobile. He didn't have his his voice. He couldn't speak and um, couldn't eat, but he he was still really mobile. His health was fairly good everywhere else, so we went on a cruise. Um, John's parents took our family and John and his brother, or John's brother and his family on a cruise and got to spend a week together um, just hanging out with grandma and granddaddy and the cousins and all that. And so um, as a surprise for them, as we were getting ready for the trip, we had everybody in our family and everybody in John's brother's family write a note. Um, to grandma and granddaddy, just ways that we love them, um, memories that we have with them. Even the little kids, they just kind of dictated notes to us, ways that we love them and and memories and ways uh, that we can honor them. And so every night after dinner, we would go up to the top deck of the cruise ship in the little chapel and we would read two or three notes to them. And it was powerful. Um, it was a really, really sweet time just to be able to honor them and not wait until the funeral um, when they couldn't, when John's dad couldn't hear it. Now, the funeral was amazing. He was very honored um, and spoken so well of at the funeral, but just for him to be able to hear it um, in person was really neat. And so just to think about what it might look like, something small or something big like that. My parents' 50th is coming up soon, and so just be thinking about ways that you can honor your parents while they're still living so they can hear that. Um. Another just couple of small things, just being interested in what your parents or in-laws are interested in. If they've got some hobbies, um, asking about those things, maybe taking a trip together. Maybe not something as big as a cruise. Maybe it's just a small thing. Here in a few weeks, um, I'm going to go up to Oklahoma and scrapbook with my mom. And we used to do that a long time ago, and we haven't in years. And um, it'll be fun for me, but I just know that'll be a huge blessing to her. And I'm looking forward to that. And so just what you could do to kind of move toward them. And so the way we love God as a daughter, Um, is just to think about reconciliation. And it's, again, because of where we all are in different places, it could look different. But there's a couple of parts of reconciliation. The first one is asking for forgiveness. Um, So it could be big-picture stuff. Um, It could be, um, like, four or five years ago, John was standing in our kitchen with my mom, and they were standing there at the sink, and um, I overheard him just say, Hey Linda, I just want to ask you to forgive me for kind of early on in Pam and my relationship and marriage, just of the pride that I had, and just some of the some of the ways I acted towards you and Dave. And um, would you just kind of forgive me overall for this big picture of just kind of kind of a heart of pride towards y'all? Um, or it could be just kind of more transactional stuff. To be honest, I these days it seems like treat some of my friends better than I treat my mom, um, and just have been really convicted of that lately. She's here often, and I just lose my patience and get kind of catty with her, and so it may look like, even as, an adult, even as an adult, just kind of in the moment, like we would with our kids, hey, will you forgive me? That is not the way I wanted to respond to you, and so asking for forgiveness is a huge step toward reconciliation with your parents, um, and then the bigger step, probably, and the next step, and probably harder in some ways, is granting forgiveness, and um, granting forgiveness does not mean excusing some hurt. Again, I know that there's some deep wounds and hurt um, by your parents um, to some of y'all in here. So it doesn't ever mean excusing or saying what happened is right, but it is commanded. Um, We are forgiven fully by Christ and Colossians 3.13 says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And so um, just being willing to say, Lord, help me forgive. Help me forgive. Even if that doesn't restore that relationship, even if they're not asking for forgiveness, to forgive as the Lord forgave you. And to be honest, if you're looking for something positive out of this, forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. Like if you have unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart, it will affect all the other roles and the way you interact with everybody else. And so some of you guys, some of you ladies, um, have a chance to give yourself a really big gift. And so just sitting before the Lord and asking, how can I move toward forgiveness of my parents or my in-laws. So that's the way we love God, just to think about what for you it would look like to reconcile or just to move toward that with your parents. Um, And then the way that we love others is just, like I said, just cultivating that relationship with them, putting yourself in their shoes and thinking, how would I want my kids to pursue me? And so just just pursuing that. So loving God by pursuing reconciliation and loving others by cultivating a relationship with your parents and in-laws. All right, the next role, and this is a big one, is a wife, so everyone in here, um, I think is married, and, um, that is one of our biggest roles, so really in this life stage, I know wife, mom is really on the forefront, um, but y'all know that the wife is the priority relationship, and so, um, the Bible is really clear, actually, on some of the roles that a wife has. So we're going to talk about those three roles of a wife. The first one is to respect. So Ephesians 5:33, you can't read it any other way except that wives are to respect their husbands. Now right before that, it says husbands respect or love your wives. Um, so they've definitely got it, and they've got to love us as Christ loved the church. That is a big. Big call to them. But right after that is um, women, respect, wives, respect your husbands. Um, you know, most men would say, I know this is true. Um, John has said this. I know most men have said this. Most men would say that they desire to be respected even more than loved. And I know we can't really understand that completely, but just kind of think about the way you desire to be loved, to be cherished, to sit on the couch and have a conversation, to feel af- affection by your husband. Um, that is the same way that they desire to be respected. And when it's not there, there's a void in their life. And so it's just genius of God to design it that way, you know, just because it's such a sanctifying thing, you know, to design for each of us to desire love and respect and be commanded to give that to each other. Um, So I want to talk about just a few specific ways that we can show our husbands respect. I feel like I would hear that, respect your husband, and I was like, I don't know what that looks like. And so just thinking about specifically um, some ways um, and see if you can resonate with any of these. I know I do. Um, Specifically and verbally, instead of just, hey, honey, I respect you, think about the things that you do respect um, about him and tell him in private and then in public. Whenever you have a chance to brag on your husband um, in public, that's a great thing to do. If that gets back to him, that is huge for him to hear. Um, It doesn't need to necessarily be, or it can be, about his accomplishments, but more just about his character and the ways he leads, the way he loves you. Um, And then another one, don't, speaking of public, don't correct him in public. All right, is anybody feeling a little uh, there, Um, do not correct him in public Um, unless like it's life threatening or he sent somebody east and they're supposed to go west. Like there's just no reason to correct him in front of other people. Maybe there's something to talk about later when you get home, but just being really careful not to do that. Um, I used to, and I didn't even know I was doing it, and then John kind of brought it to my attention. We'd be standing around and he would kind of give a line from a movie or tell a joke and I would say, you know, that's from that movie or that joke means this. Um, and he was like, hey, Pam, can, can I not be funny on my own? Like, do you have to explain? Do you have to explain them all? And I didn't even realize that I was just dis- being disrespectful to him in front of others. And it's a little thing, but he felt that. And so I wanted to be careful of that. So whether it's something little or it's completely just cutting him off and just, um, you know, taking away his manhood in front of people, that is not okay. And so just being really careful um, with the way we interact with him in public. This is another huge one, and the girls in my community group and I I've just been talking about this a lot lately. It's just letting him dream. Most men have big visions and big dreams. And most of the time when they share them with us, they don't need to hear the five reasons it's not going to work for your family. They, they don't. So John would come home. When we were at DTS, when John was in seminary, he would come home weekly maybe, maybe every other week with a new idea of something we were going to do after seminary. So at the time we were in a missions class and, but he was also really interested in the stock market. So he's like, okay, I've got it. I've got it. We are going to move to the Middle East. We're going to witness to all the people there. And I'm going to be like a financial advisor to the sheiks. Um, I was like, okay, okay, let's, yeah, let's see. Well, we obviously didn't. And I'm glad cause I don't really look good in a burqa. Um, but, um, But just to listen to that and say, okay, next week we've got a new plan. Um, But if all of this sudden John stops sharing his dreams with me, it's probably not because the Lord is taking those away from him. It's probably because I'm shutting him down. And so think about when your husband comes with you, does he have the freedom and feel like he can come to you and just say, hey, here's a great big idea, and not get shot down with that. And so just letting, letting our husband's dream is a big way to respect them. You know, another way to respect our husbands and just to show honor to them is let them make decisions around the house. Um, maybe this will hit home with y'all. It, it still does with me and especially in your life stage. We, I think, can run the house probably. I mean, I'm sure most of us can run the house more efficiently, get the kids dressed, probably do laundry a little bit better. Um, but just because they're trying to do it doesn't mean it's wrong. Maybe it takes them twice as long. Um, maybe the clothes aren't folded quite the way you would, um, but just to allow them to do that. Um, They love the kids just as much as you do. They love your house just as much as you do. And so just allowing them to do something around the house and not to change that or correct that all the time is another way that you can show him honor and respect. He's competent um, to do that. Um, And just a lack of respect for our husband can just lead to a lack of confidence, and it kind of spirals out of control. It's kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. And so just when we honor and show him respect, he just wants to be that man that's worthy of honor and respect. And so just be thinking about that, especially around the house, Um, sometimes letting the decisions be his, you know, even though we're usually the keeper of the calendars and we know what's going on with the play dates and things to do, sometimes letting him make, you know, make the plans and have the ideas. That was a big thing for John. He loved to plan things on the weekend. And um, I, early on, loved to, you know, figure out the ways that it, it really didn't fit our schedule, you know, and let him know. Um, but then just to be able to let go of that and say, great, we're going to drive down and look at this thing um, or do whatever, because that's just a really fun thing. And we had a lot more fun as a family because of that, because if I had planned it, it might have been a little bit more, you know, strict or whatever. So um, just letting him have a little bit more of, of the say in the house is another way that you can show, show him respect. Um, the second command that's given um, and just role of a, um, of a wife is just that we're a helper. Um, so in Genesis 127, man and women are both created in God's image, um, equal and independent as a man and woman in God's image. But then in Genesis 220 and following, he talks about that a woman is a helper suitable, that Adam had no helper suitable. And so God created woman. And so just thinking about, I know y'all, you've heard this, but just to remind us that in this case, helper, it's not a negative term. Don't think help the movie or the book. Think helper like the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit, a member of the Trinity, is referred to a helper the same same way that we are. And so just as man and woman, it's the crazy genius of God, are independent and equal in the Lord. When we're married as a husband and wife, we are interdependent. And there's some way that we complete each other that can't happen when we're single. And that's just the, again, just the genius of the Lord just design us that way. And so just think about the ways that we can be a helper to our husband. Um, and very first and foremost is just to pray for him, just to pray for him. Um, it's really hard to um, not love and care for, and respect someone that you're fervently praying for. And so whatever that looks like, just a list of character qualities, like you probably have one for your kids, start praying it for your husband. You know, the power of a praying wife, even if you don't have time to read the whole two or three pages in there, you could just read the three-sentence prayer every day, just something to be praying for him. And then I would say, on top of that, pray more and talk less. Um, So we um, have a wonderful plan for our husband's lives, but um, God has a better plan for their lives. And so, um, just being willing to sit back and just pray for him and let the Holy Spirit move in his life. Um, so, a good friend of mine just recently um, had some things that she wanted to share with her husband, and she just sat back and prayed for a few days. It wasn't a huge gross sin issue or anything, but just some ways that, frankly, she could help him be more organized and kind of help him in his stuff. And he walked in the door, and the first thing he said was, Hey, could you help me with this area? And she had just been praying about it and just let the Spirit move in his life. Um, and so, less words. Um, Um, And I'll tell you, I'm learning that right now as um, just yesterday, I think I told somebody this, I was standing in the driveway lecturing my boys as they were playing basketball. They didn't hear a word I said, like talked, and they had tuned out by, you know, five minutes into, or five seconds into it. Um, How much more, as opposed to my nine and 13-year-old, do they not want to hear all those words? My husband, my 40-year-old husband does not need to hear all those words. And so just being thoughtful about the amount of words we use and just praying, um, First Peter three one through six talks about the just the gentle and quiet spirit. And um, just the way we interact with our husbands, and specifically that verse is talking about winning over a non-believing husband. But I think we can apply it as well. Just the gentle and quiet spirit, and the way that we rest and trust in the Lord, and interact with our husband, can just woo him and move him to the Holy Spirit, and God can use us that way. So just be thinking about those verses. Um, But on the other side of this, talking less, um, also the way we can be a helper is just to be courageous to speak the truth, Um, but do it in a non-nagging non-self-righteous way. Um, The gift that God gives us in marriage is to be a full-length mirror to our spouse. And um, sometimes it's an unwelcomed gift, but it really is the way God designed it. And um, and looking at it and the way it's played out in our marriage, I'm thankful for that. Like no one else, John can be a full-length mirror and I to him in the ways that we need to grow in the Lord. And God designed it that way. Um, Just thinking about um, John just kind of, because I've asked him to do this, just, hey, Pam, you're kind of pushing your agenda and being assertive. And people that know me, like, I kind of like to run the show and have an opinion and um, move forward my agenda. And just to hear from him, like, hey, you're doing it again. Um, And then just for me, just, you know, he, again, he's he's funny. He can be funny without the movie lines and without the jokes. He's funny on his own. Um, But just to share with him, you know, a while ago, like, hey, sometimes when you are sarcastic with people, I don't know that people even though they laugh, think it's funny. Sometimes it's hurtful, and we are able to share those kind of things with each other because we know there's trust there, and we know we're for each other. And we do it most of the time um, in the Lord's. Um, in this, when we're doing it correctly, we do it in a loving, non-judgmental way. And so, um, being being courageous to speak the truth um, is another way that we can be be their helper. Um, a couple of other ways is just supporting him at home. So most of y'all or home with the kids, or maybe working a little bit, he's he's there working to provide for the family. And so supporting him at home would be um, things like, if you have a budget, stick to the budget don't overspend. He is working hard to support for your, support your family. And so just supporting him in that way, making it peaceful when he comes home, finding out, hey babe, what would you like to walk into? Like a hot dinner on the table? Like the kitchen cleaned up? The kids locked in their room for a few minutes? You know, what, what does that look like? What does that look like? And so just finding out what, um, is helpful to him when he walks in the door at the end of the day. Um, and then the last thing, and it's definitely not the least, but, um, just helping him in his struggle with purity. And so wherever your husband is on that, we know that men are wired um, just to st- visually and just to struggle with lust. And so whether um, he's struggled a lot with pornography or not much at all, just to help him in that, and that's the way God's created us. Um, now, if he chooses to indulge in um, lustful thoughts and looking at pornography, that is their sin, and that is between them and the Lord. But as his helper, just to look at your role in that is to help him. Um, and that looks like being available, being available sexually it 's hard in this stage. I know I was there four times um, it is it 's hard with a newborn um, or little ones running around, but just before the Lord, what would that look like, God, just for me to leave laundry. And dishes undone so that I've got some energy for my husband after the kids go to bed. Um, What would it look like for me to pursue him? And it not always be his idea to have sex. Sometimes it's my idea. Um, Not all the time, but maybe I pursue him. Maybe I ask the girls that I'm close to, hey, ask me next time how many times. It was my idea, and it wasn't always my husband's idea. But just to help him in that area is a great way, great way to be a helper. Um, And then the last um, role of a woman, of a wife, is um, to submit and um, where I would send you very first, if you were not at the Uncommon Marriage Conference or even if you were, is just to go back and listen to Lucina Thompson's Kyle and Lucina Thompson talking about roles and specifically Lucina teaching about the wife's role and specifically the one on submission. She teaches that better than anyone that I've ever heard. And if you know Lucina, she is not quiet and like a doormat little wallflower. She is a strong, opinionated, um, strong woman, but she submits. Um, to kyle like no one i've ever seen and so if you have a chance to go to watermark media and listen to that it's just done so well and so really these are her notes and so um what she would say just that submission is not being a doormat it's not willingly following your husband into sin Um, it's not just laying aside and letting him just do whatever he wants but what it is is very clear in scripture we're to come under the authority of our husband um god designed him to be the head of the house and he is responsible for the lord before the lord for your home and for your family and so love it if you're here and you're involved at watermark and your husbands are here they are being hit over the head all the time by how they have got to love you and so be thankful for that when you have a man who loves you as christ loved the church it is really easy Um, the easiest thing in the world, just to submit to that. Um, But even if you're not, we are commanded to submit. And so look back to that 1 Peter 3 chapter, um, just in a gentle and quiet way, talks about these are how the women, talks about Sarah submitting to Abraham. These are how the women of old loved and submitted to their husbands. Um, And I know it's hard, and um, one reason it's hard is Genesis 3.16. And so after um, sin entered the garden and God came and was Telling Adam and Eve the consequences of that choice. Um, and he talks to Eve and he said, Your curse is that your desire will be for your husband. Um, and that is not a sexual desire. That is a desire for his role. That is a desire to run the show and not let him. And so all of us have a little bit, some more than others, just this desire to be right, to run the show. Um, and really, it's a competition instead of a completion. And so um, that, is, that is a curse and that is part of living in a fallen world. And so instead of completing our husband, we want to compete with them. And the way we complete him is following the design um, that God gave us to submit to them. So what it looks like for us, it doesn't look like John grabbing my hair and throwing me in the back of the truck and saying, come on, woman, um, we, don't, we don't even have a truck. I don't think I would fit in his Honda trunk. Um, but it doesn't look like that. Um, what it looks like is just both of us having input, him hearing my opinion and hearing my voice. Um, I cannot think of a time that there's been a huge decision Um, something really big, like a move or something big that I have said no, and he has pushed through. Um, that's, That's not the way it happens. But there has been smaller things that maybe he thinks this, and I think this, and in the end, something had to be made, and we went this way with him. And I'll tell you, most of the time, it turns out for the best. And when it hasn't, then... Um, there's a learning curve for John on that as, as the leader. And who am I to get in the way of what the Holy Spirit might teach him by not submitting to him? And so as God designed our role as a wife, um, we are um, just commanded to submit. Um, so the way that we love God as a wife um, is to live with our husbands in an understanding way. First Peter, this is a great verse. First Peter 3, 7 says, husbands, and we'll interchange wives here. Wives, live with your husbands in an understanding way so that your prayers will not be hindered. So just as we talked about in the beginning, our relationship with God affects our relationships with our husbands. We know that. Um, somehow our relationship and the way we interact with our husband affects our relationship with the Lord affects us spiritually. And so to live with our husbands in an understanding way, um, making an effort to figure him out, figure out the way he's uniquely designed, figure out the way he desires to be respected and loved. There's some great tools, um, you know, love languages, some of those. Those are not the thing, But if they're a thing that helps you to kind of figure out the way to love your husband, um, then use those and access those. And so the way we love God is is to make an effort to live with our husbands in an understanding way. And the way that we love others is to respect, help, and submit to our husbands. All right, the next role is a mom. Everybody in here is, has been, or will be a mom. Um, And so let's just start with, um, let's remind us all. Um, I need to be reminded after yesterday, children are a blessing from the Lord. Um, they are. They are a blessing. That has got to be our starting place with kids, that children are a blessing from the Lord. Um, you know, the Bible calls us as moms to love and discipline our children, but our ultimate job is to teach them the Word of God, um, not to make sure they get good grades, that they're well-adjusted socially, that they're great at sports, they play the piano well. Um, it is that they know the Word of God. And so Deuteronomy 6 um, it says, "Hear, o Israel! It's the great Shema. Hear, o Israel! The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you wa- lie down, and when you get up. Impress them on your children. That is our mandate as a parent, as a mom, is to impress the word of God on our children. And so, under that." There's definitely some ideas in the Bible of how to do that, you know, just with discipline and their words and all that. But there's not just this clear thing, here is how you do this. And so I'm just going to give you a framework of some ideas of things that have been really helpful to John and I as we have um, just tried to parent our children the way God would have us. Um, The first one is fun, okay? doesn't sound really super spiritual, but it's really important. Um, Just to have fun with your family. Enjoy being together together. where you guys are in this life stage, it may just look like hours at the Thomas the train table. I could tell you every one of Thomas's friends um, and all the stuff that went on in what's the name of the town? All of a sudden I lost it. Yes. Yes, um, all that, hours, hours at the train table with Dawson, with our oldest. Um, it may just look at, look like, you know, just squirting them with a the hose in the backyard, just whatever it looks like for to have fun with them. Um, we had this book, um, a lot of y'all probably seen it, I meant to bring it, we call it the book of fun, and it's just all these great, mostly free things to do in Dallas, and kind of tells you like different age levels of questions you can ask. So from that book, we found that in Plano, there's a cockroach museum. Um, with the roach that really hiss, My oldest daughter, who loves bugs and all that, um, really like held one. Crazy. Um, there's also a fan museum downtown. Um, it was closed the day, so I can't tell you about that one. But um, there are lots of random things there, and we just did it. And those were usually the weekends that John planned, so it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, driving out in a snowstorm when you've been stuck for three or four days, but there's free waffles at Waffle House is always really fun to do. Um, I can tell you from experience. Um, and even things like just this week, our kids were out of school on Monday, and there were Groupons for Cosmic Jump, which is like the jump zone, the indoor trampoline place, and they have been a few times, but always thought it would be really fun for Dad to go with them. So John took off on Monday, and we went to Cosmic Jump together, and I still have like the burn from the trampoline on my hiney to prove it, um, but we went and just had a fun a fun time with them. David Pinel, who is our student minister to high school students and was for years to junior high students, John asked him one time, hey, what are some things that you see that are characteristics that are common of kids who, when they're out of the house, they don't leave the faith. And what he said, um, was not the people that had devotions every night and um, were in church every time the doors were open. It was the families who had fun together. It was the kids who enjoyed being with their mom and dad and being at home. And so not to underestimate, um, fun and just how important that can be. And then the next thing is friendship along with that. Um, So you're still a mom first. Your job is not to be your two-year-old's best friend. Um, But as they grow up and you grow in that relationship, just developing alongside being a mom, just a friendship with your kids. Um, And you think about what things are important to you in a friend. Being available. Listening, stopping what you're doing to be a part of what they're doing. Um, Looking at the differences in boys and girls, looking at the fact that my girls and I love to chat and my boys would rather me just shoot hoops with them and not stand again like yesterday and lecture them from the driveway while they try to shoot three-pointers. That doesn't go over very well with the boys. And so just figuring out what it looks like for boys and girls to have a friendship. Um, Loved, like just this week, um, my sixth grader is at Pine Cove with um, her class, and I got to drive out there and stay for 24 hours, and it's just fun to interact with her and her friends. kind of as her mom, but also as her friend, and just to jump in there and, you know, play with them and um, just hang out with them. And just this last summer when Dawson turned 13, um, John and I took him on an epic road trip to uh, lots of baseball games in St. Louis and Chicago, and just to have a glimpse as a 13-year-old of what it could look like when he's an adult and just the friendship um, that you want to strive toward with that. So fun and friendship, they are not the thing at all as a mom, but they are the platform that you would build on in order to get to the thing, which is to impress God's word on their heart. And so if you're telling your kids, you know, let's read the Bible together, but there's no fun and there's no closeness and friendship at home, it's just going to be lost on them. There's going to be deaf ears. And so just the importance, again, of friendship and fun as a mom. Um, And then we do go to... Spontane or discipleship so two kinds of discipleship just spontaneous discipleship just in the moment um, kids ask you a question um, how do you handle stuff Do you know the Word um, so that you can handle that and answer that from the Word of God? Um, Setting them up for success, knowing kind of what they're learning in starting blocks or on your mark, and if they ask a question to say, hey, do you know a verse for that? Hey, that fits our character quality this month. Hey, tell me about that. And so just being um, involved in that way so that you're ready um, when they have those questions. Using media um, negatively and positively. And so, um, you know, watching you know, as we started watching a little bit more on Disney and not just cartoons, just sitting there, okay, let's watch, you know, Hannah Montana, or let's watch whatever this show is, but hey, let's stop at the end, and what is the lie that the world, um, is trying to sell us in this show? So just being mindful and just teaching them to be discerning, um, and then another way, um, It's just the positive use of media. So I don't advocate them sitting down and just scrolling through YouTube. Never, never, never. But with you, there's some great stuff on YouTube. I don't know if anybody's seen the Kid President videos. Um, They're just hilarious and fun to watch. Um, But then you can also say, hey, like we, you know, he talks about being on the same team. Um, We are part of the body of Christ. Our family, our goal is to glorify the Lord. The local church, your goal is to make disciples. So just using media in a good way as well, um, just because that... Um, you know, there's no doing away with media, you know, that's, that's out there and the kids are part of it. And so using that in a positive way, but being discerning in how you do. Um, and then just the resources, um, you know, Y'all all probably are familiar with Mary Flo Ridley and just talking to your kids, um, being prepared to talk to your kids even at an early age about sex as they start asking questions. And um, just if you don't know her, Mary Flo Ridley, just Google her. She's got some great resources when the kids start asking questions. Um, maybe they're not even asking about sex, but just to be ready to introduce God's view of that to them. So, hey, where did an apple come from? Instead of, hey, from the apple tree or Tom Thumb, it's, hey, an apple came from a seed. And you know you came from a seed by God's design? So just being resourced and ready to answer and have those spontaneous discipleship moments. And then there is, there is room for intentional discipleship, and there could be, there should be intentional discipleship in your home. Um, But don't get stuck in a rut. Um, It does not look like dad in the fireplace for an hour and the kids at his feet after dinner, Um, although it may, if that, if that works for you. But, um... Just don't get stuck in that and just, you know, be constantly talking with your husband um, about what it looks like to disciple your kids. You know, for us, that morning devotional over breakfast— We try it a lot, and it just doesn't happen. Like, the kids are fighting. We're frustrated by the end. Like, it just doesn't happen. And so what it looks like more for us is most of the time, John takes them to school, and he's got his scripture. um, You know, he's got his iPhone and just pulls up a scripture, and they talk about that verse. How can we live out this verse today at school? Pretty simple. Um, Those Seeds of Worship CDs, let's listen to this song. How can we live this out today? And so just um, what works for your family um, is just really important for discipleship. And then those big chunks, too, as your kids get older, um, thinking about like Passport to Purity, Family Life, um, just talking to your kids about purity and God's design for sex. And, um, John and Dawson did that last summer before Dawson entered junior high, and I'll probably do it with Maddie this summer, just talking through and just shepherding them about God's design as opposed to the world for purity. Um, and so the way that we love God as a mom is to remember that your children are God's children first, and we love them that way. I mean He. Um, he loves them greatly. They're his sons and daughters. And so just that should kind of sober us a little bit in the way we interact with them. Um, But just to know that he loves them and to love them the way he does. And then just to love others as we love our kids to do it with a joyful heart. So I know you're hearing this almost every month. You're hearing about parenting and just hearing about that. That's your ministry right now. And um, just to do it with a joyful heart. And this is a great picture that just recently, John, um, heard somebody um, and just has shared with me. And um, just to picture a timer that's w- w- scrolling down over your kids' heads. And that helps me um, get off the couch and read the book or go shoot baskets or lay down in the bed with the kids for just five extra minutes when I think about, okay, Dawson's going to be 14 this summer. I have four more years. Um, and so just thinking about that um, just helps me um, just let be less selfish um, and just helps me love others well. Um, and so that is what just kind of a framework. Again, these aren't specific things um, from the Bible, but this is just a framework that's helped us, just the fun friendship and spontaneous and in, intentional discipleship. Um, and then the last role um, that I want to talk about today is just uh, being a friend. Um, There's lots of characteristics in the Bible, tons of one another verses in the Bible and how, as believers, we are to treat each other. Um, But I just kind of picked out three or four that I think will resonate with us. Um, And the first one is just be a friend who's wise. Um, Proverbs 9 contrasts the woman of folly and the woman of wisdom. And so just being the kind of friend who is wise, not in a self-righteous, um, pharisaical way, but a, um, a woman who's wise because she knows the word and her wisdom comes from the word. And so when there's counsel sought or questions, um, that she goes to the word. And so being, being that kind of friend. Um, the second one is a friend who's discerning. First um, Thessalonians 5.14 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle or, or admonish the unruly, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Um, so just discerning when to know um, to speak the truth as a friend. Now, speak it in love, as Ephesians 4.15 says, but to know when to speak the truth, um, but then to know when encouragement is needed for your friend, um, to know when help is needed, and then most of all, just to be patient with everyone. Um, just to be patient as the Lord is patient with us. Um, Galatians 6.10 um and this is the last one um, on the friends is to be willing to be interrupted and to serve. And so, a friend who's a servant. Um, Galatians six ten talks about whenever we have the opportunity to do good, don't. Basically, this is my paraphrase. Don't pass it up. If you have an opportunity to do good to someone, don't pass up that opportunity. And so, being a friend who is interruptible um, and available um, is is really important. And I love the picture um, in Philippians. Um, that we talk about. you all know Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. And so really that's the way as a friend that we love God and love others is just to be like Christ. And so as you go on in that chapter in Philippians, it talks about that Christ gave us the ultimate example of that. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, But he made himself as a human um, in that he considered us as more important than himself. So as a friend, just being wise and being discerning and being a servant and being interruptible. Um, And so we um, only have these roles for a short time. Um, You know, eternity is really long, um, and our time here is short. And not to be morbid, but just to get us to think for a minute, it will be no time till you and I are in a hospital bed or on our deathbed, and we are thinking back to how we lived our lives um, and the roles that we played as a woman. And when it's all said and done, what do we want said of us? Um, as I thought about this, I spent some time looking at epitaphs and there's some pretty funny ones and then some pretty interesting ones too. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King's tombstone, as you can imagine, says free at last, free at last. Thank God almighty. I'm free at last. Um, I love this one. Charles Lindbergh, the famous aviator uses a verse from um, Psalm 121. If I take on the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Um, okay. This one's kind of funny in a Maryland cemetery funny and sad, funny and sad, I guess. Here lies an atheist all dressed up and no place to go. Um, And then this one was interesting, especially as my kids are learning about World War II. Um, Winston Churchill said, I am ready to meet my maker. Whether my maker is prepared for the great ordeal of meeting me is another matter. Um, So just what is said of people, you know, for a man um, making money in the Things he did and the positions he had—it's not what people talk about. After he's gone, they talk about the way he interacted with others, the way he loved, and the way he led. As a woman, it's not how pretty our house was, what our kids looked like, how great we could craft and cook. Um, it was about—it's about the way that we love God and love others. And so as I was thinking about this, I thought, what would I want said of me? And um, praying through and just looking at these scriptures, I think if someone could say she was a true biblical woman, she loved God and she loved others, that would be a life well lived. that's pleasing to the Lord. Um, So each of us will have at least these five roles and some more in our lives as a woman. And the Bible gives us specific commands on some parts of them, as we've talked about. On other ones, there's freedom. Um, and how that plays out, but what must be sure, um, to overarch all these, is just the mandate that we love God above all else and love others as ourself. And that is what must characterize our lives, um, to truly be a biblical woman. So let me pray for us again. Just I want y'all to just be encouraged by this. And then I think y'all have lots of time at your tables. All right. Thank you, Lord, um, that you do give us those clear guidelines in scripture. um, just of the characteristics um, of a woman, again, the way you just designed a woman, Um, and just thank you that you saw fit to um, allow us to be your child, Um, that each of us are a daughter, and um, that we can become a wife um, and complete a man as you design that. Um, that we can have the amazing gift of being a mom and through our whole life that we have the blessing of being and having friends. And just thank you for that design. Um, we couldn't have done it any better. Thank you that you um, that you have the plan that's for your glory and um, and then we get to benefit. When we follow that, it's for our good. So I just pray that these women would not leave um, burdened or um, guilt ridden, but just encouraged. Encouraged by by what they're doing well, and then just a few areas that they can, through your strength and through the help of community and others, that they can take ground. Um, and I just pray most of all that they would leave just overwhelmed with your love, that your love um, for us that cannot be separated, nothing we can do, um, can be separ- can separate us from that love. So just thank you again just for these women in this ministry, in this body, in the way we all desire to become fully devoted followers of you and true biblical women. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank Hello.
0: Hello. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Allison. Yep. Um, we, we really desire to give you guys more time at your tables with your table leaders. So from this point on, we have about 20 minutes. Um, the questions, Morgan, we're on the screen. Okay. We're going to put some questions on the screen, I think. Um, should be five for you guys to discuss at your tables with your table leaders. And then if there's any unanswered questions or just we want more clarification from Pam, we're going to pull her back up on the stage the last 15 minutes for you guys to ask any questions to her. So, we'll get those up on the screen here in a second. Hello. The questions for your table time should be on your table. Raise your hand if you're not finding them on your table. They should be there. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to dictate them to you. So, table leaders, get out a pen and a paper. Sorry, somewhere somewhere there was a lost in translation here. Okay. Question number one to discuss. Um, do you find yourself trying to live up to a skewed picture of what a true biblical woman looks like? You got that? That was long. How does that change when you spend time with the Lord? Okay. Question two, if you need to like shorthand this, go for it. Okay. Number one, um, do you find yourself having a trying to live up to an inaccurate view of a biblical woman. Can you? Okay. That'd be great. I think they're working on the back, but I'm going to keep talking just in case. Okay. Number two, um, which aspect of being a child of God fully resonates with you most? I'm going to list them. Being fully known, being fully forgiven, or being fully loved and accepted? Okay, we found them. Yay, they're being passed out, so you don't have to listen to my voice anymore. Even better. Sorry about that, ladies. Thanks for being patient. All right, questions are coming around. Table leaders, you have 20 minutes. um, If you can discuss those, and then Morgan's going to come around and collect any questions that might need to be addressed with Pam on stage. Thank you for your patience. We are a work in progress.
1: All right, ladies. Um, Hello, hello, hello. Can they hear? All right, ladies, we are going to... Um, y'all have a couple of questions um, that I'm going to answer. And um, then y'all will probably just even have a little bit more time at your tables. We've um, still got 20 minutes till until official, um, officially the nursery has officially kicked your kids out. So a um, couple of questions um, from your tables. And so I hope that time was good um, and just wanted to um, give y'all lots of time there. And so just... Um, again just no burden with those questions but just that that was made for good thought and so however those helped you great if they um, were too much um, then just don't 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 worry about those but just whatever whatever was helpful with those Um, so a couple of questions what are some practical ways to cultivate a better relationship with your mother-in-law was just talking with a friend who was just saying like the world would just say, and it's the constant joke, the world would say, you know, it's just your mother-in-law and just all the brunt of all the jokes that the mother-in-law is. Um, but she just talked about just being convicted that when you're a follower of Christ, like, you don't have an option to look at look at your mother-in-law the way the world would say. Um, and so um, I am not naive enough to think that it would just all of a sudden you start pursuing her and your relationship with your mother-in-law is gonna be sweet and perfect. Um, I know that's not the case, but just some practical things, maybe just to go back to what I said. Find out, um, you know, ask, I don't know if it's appropriate to ask your father-in-law, ask your husband what um, what's something that she really likes to do that maybe you didn't know and try to invite her in that. Join her in something she's interested in. Um, really, the first thing I should have said is just pray for her. It is hard to really um, loathe someone that you pray for, um, constantly. And so just praying for her, whether she's a believer or not. Of course, if she's not a believer that, um, that she, um, the Lord would just draw him to himself, draw her to himself. Um, but just find out maybe some, um, something that she's interested in and see if you can join her in that, um, include her, um, when it's appropriate, with your kids so your mom probably is is maybe coming to a lot of things or if she if it's if she's in town or close maybe your mom's coming to a lot of things with the grandkids and so think about how mother-in-law feels so naturally i'm closer to my mom than john's mom Um, it makes more sense she they both live in the same town in oklahoma and they actually come together a lot when they come visit but um my mom's probably here more that makes more sense um you know, I'm her daughter. Um, but just when it's appropriate, um, just to include um, include the mother-in-law as well would be another kind of practical idea. Um, any table leaders? I'm just going to throw you off really. Any table leaders have a practical idea on that? Allison? Yeah. So Allison said just include her on something you're already doing. Um, and if you're close with your mom, you might even have a conversation like, hey mom, I'm going to invite um, my mother-in-law today. And I know you understand. I just." wanna you know cultivate that relationship and
2: maybe have some time when it's just her, you know. Um, yeah, Millie. One year she sent her mother in law flowers on her son's birthday. Huh. Or her husband, I mean the mother. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And just said yeah. thank you for raising a godly young man. And, blah. and so just a sweet gesture and she was kind of thinking she did that years ago and she was thinking I'm gonna do it again That's and right. I heard some other mom say, I'm gonna do that too. Do you mind if I steal that there idea? So that That's was right. a Mother's idea. Day.
1: Mother's Day Not Mother's Day, but oh, just on his, birthday, on his birthday. Yeah, on yes, his yes. birthday.
2: Yeah. She sent her mother. Yeah, yeah. but then I'm
1: thinking. I guess Mother's Day would work as well. Yeah, you know, just. I mean, I think it we could often think little... about our own mom, but just um, just doing that. Maybe not from our husband to his mom, but us specifically. Hey, thanks for being a mother-in-law on Mother's right. Day. That's another idea.
2: Yes, well, or just remembering way. their anniversary and just yes. saying thank you that you, if they were married the whole time and had a wonderful marriage. And like my in-laws always say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell them Julie sent me. That's my mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just saying thank you, sending them a card on their anniversary or even sending them a card on your anniversary, saying thank you that you raised a godly, yeah. you know, it's if that's idea. applicable.
1: Yeah, great idea. All right. The other question: Pursuing um, hus- your husband sexually. What do you do when you just don't want to? Um, all right. So we could take the Nike approach. Just you just do it. You just do it. Um, and that is um, really sometimes that's that's the answer. Um, but you know, I was John was back there, and we we're actually just um, talking just about you know it, when you sit before the Lord. So. Um, and just say, Lord, give me a desire for my husband. Like, you're not sorry after, after you had, maybe sleep sounds better in the beginning, but afterwards you're not sorry that you were intimate with your husband. And just the connectedness and the closeness that comes from that. Um, and so I remember lots of times at this stage just going, okay, I don't have the energy. My body's not what it used to be. Lord, just give me, give me the desire and the strength to do this and just to be all there in the moment. Um, and so, um, just, you know, got